Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I gotta tell you, people, it's uh, it's so funny since I've been recording at home, since I don't do it at the studio anymore. It's like it's like a big production because basically, if Joanne's not working, she has to ramble around down here. Just now, she was uh, getting stuff to go upstairs because what happens is she's. I'll gladly let her sit through the the show, but I think she hears me talk enough that I think she just goes, you know what, I'm getting the hell out of here. So she went upstairs and she's watching her TV or doing work. And uh, so, yeah, so it's a good thing. It's, it's quiet in Burbank today and it's a nice day and I can close the windows because I don't need the air because it's been very hot lately and it's cooled off. So, yeah. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm very excited about our show today. We have a we have a you know I don't, I don't know what to say about her. She's an actress. She's a she's a web designer. She's a jewelry designer. She's a she uh, does Pilates. She does yoga. Uh, the best is if you go to her website, which we'll talk about. It says she's a Renaissance woman, which she is. My um, guest is Deborah Foreman. How you doing, Deborah? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Good. Now, how's it? How's the weather up in Big Bear? Now, you, I, I've never been to Big Bear. Is it? Does it get hot in the summer? I know you get snow in the winter. What's the weather like right now? I, I'm happy to answer that, but I just want to first say thank you very much for having me on your show. Oh, I've, I've, I've wanted you, and then I wanted you to come on, and then Amanda, I know Amanda, you're friends with Amanda Weiss. Yes, yes and Amanda Weiss. And she was on, so I had her. I told her to contact you, too. I know she did. I, I can't remember because I've been so busy, but she did contact me. And to answer your question, Big Bear is gorgeous today. It is sunny. Uh, there's clouds in the sky, which is kind of nice. And its temperature is probably about 75, so it feels good outside. So that's good. See, we, we, we've been hot down here. I just, you know, like even when it says it's been very humid down here, which, you know, I grew up back east, so it was always humid. And I know you moved, you lived in Texas for a while, which is also very humid. And, very, And yeah. Bur- Burbank is, uh, usually it's humid, but lately it's like 88 in the morning, 88% humidity at like 6.30 in the morning. And you're like, wait a second, this isn't right. But hey, we're in California, so who complained? Uh, well, Big Bear, you can move up here. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got to ask you now. Now, as a kid, were you interested in, in acting, or how did you get on this whole path of first your acting career, and then we'll talk about your other ventures? But I read somewhere that as a kid you were very shy, super shy. So I I drew a lot. That was my thing. I would draw, spend hours and hours by myself in my bedroom drawing, and um, it, so I first my first creative experience was drawing. And then from there, it just, you know, I just started doing more creative things. Because in Texas, kind of that's where everything started. I was doing commercials. I was modeling in Texas. And it, I just did it on a bigger scale when I moved to California. Now, how did you gravitate towards that, though? I mean, were you, you said you were creative as a kid. But was there at one point where you said that you wanted to pursue acting and modeling? Or was it just that you were a cute kid? Or was it just something that... Your parents said, hey, maybe you should model. Maybe we'll break you out of your shell. How did that whole process start? Uh, my mom, I think, always wanted me to be some in the limelight somehow because I have, I have a headshot when I was four years old. So my mom had that in her sights. I didn't know if I had it in my sights. And, and so at the age of 13, because I was so shy, they put me into Barbizon School of Modeling, which was in uh, downtown Houston, Texas. And, and I went to that, and that broke me out. I think I found something. I didn't know I had talents in these in these areas that, and they were exciting to do too. But I didn't know I was talented at, at modeling and 
and you know, in Texas, runway. I, yes, I was five four and a half, but you know, when there's no others, you, I get to, I get to be picked. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was, you know, doing all those things in Texas. And like I said, when I came to California, I did it on a bigger scale, and um, I just was riding this wave that I was on. People kept saying, "Oh, you should do this," and then it was offered, and I did do it. So, uh, was the intention behind it in my heart? It had to have been, or those things would not have been put in my put in place for me. So, and I and I, I think for me, because because all those things were in place for me, I needed to go out and venture and do other things too, because I'm a creative, and a, I love to learn. So that's why I went out and did other things too, besides just act and model and do commercials. Now, now, how did you end up in LA? I mean, what? How old were we when you decided? And was it a scary move for you? I mean, it was exciting because you said you were barbers on modeling and stuff like that. But it must be, you know, it, it must be scary. I moved here later in my life, and even that was scary. But I mean, it must have been a, a, an adventure. I mean, and you must have been excited because we're young, you know. We 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 have the excitement, we have no fear. But then on the other side, we do have fear because you're leaving something that's what you're used to. No, I was not afraid one bit. I. Um, I would hang out. There was the agency that I was with in Houston, I mean, in Dallas, called um, Pam Dawson. And every day I would go there with three sets of clothes and just sit in the lobby and wait for calls to come in. So I'd be right there. And there was a man that came in one day. I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't know how important he was when I met him, by the way. He comes in. He's Wilhelmina's husband, Bruce Cooper. And he's doing, he's just, you know, going around and he's scouting. So... The woman, Dottie, that took care of me, uh, she said, go in and show him your book. He's going to tell you you're too short, but why, but why the hell not go in? So I did, and he got all excited about me while I was in the room, and uh, he said, I want you to meet the West Coast people at Wilhelmina. I want you to meet the theatrical department, commercial department, and uh, modeling department. And he, I had him, I told him, I said, you can't just tell me to do that. You have to, like... I have to have proof that I met you. <laughs> so, you know, he put it on his, um, he had letterhead that said Bruce Cooper on it, and he wrote everybody's name, everybody's department, and everybody's phone number on it for me. And I was 17 when this happened. So uh, I I left there, came home, showed, showed everything to my mom. My mom, of course, was ecstatic by this. And I think she started planning the trip then to go to California to see these people. And and we did. We 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 moved there instead though we didn't actually go to visit we moved to california and then i as soon as we did i contacted Romina and they saw me and they said we absolutely want you but we cannot take you till you're 18 and my 18th birthday was just around the corner because i think we moved there i was already through with high school so i moved uh, so when we moved there it was like the beginning of the year for most students and um and i was just about to turn 18 in october so as soon as I turned 18, I called them and they signed me in all departments. October what? My birthday, October 12th. I'm October 30th. So I was just wondering. So, <laughs> so, so now where did you first live? I always ask my guests where they first lived when they moved to L.A. Because it is, as I always say, you know, it's very, L.A. is a very, it fools you. Because you think you're going into a nice area and then like a block later, if you don't know, it's like, wow, this is crazy. What was the first area you guys moved into? Well, we, uh, my, mo my mom came out here blindly. <laughs> so it was my mom, my brother, and myself, and we moved in with my uncle, and he lived in Costa Mesa. 
Okay. So we, we lived with him for three months while my mom was looking for a job, got a job. My brother was put into the school system there in Costa Mesa, and she got a killer job. Uh, and then we moved from there to just another little area next to Costa Mesa. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but my mom got a, a better, an even better job, so then we had to move closer to Los Angeles. But yeah, in the first, first uh, year of living in California, I drove to Wilhelmina every day. From, from, from Orange County? From Costa Mesa. Oh I, and I sat in their lobby waiting <laughs> waiting to be booked on jobs. And, and you know, when I say lobby, it, there was a bunch of us. It's not like me just sitting there by myself. <laughs> it was, you know, there's a bunch of us that, you know, lived outside of the city and we had to come in and bring our three outfits, business, casual, bathing suit, and uh, wait for jobs. And, and I did that for a full year. See, yeah. See, what's amazing about that is, and if my listeners, if, if my listeners who have not been in California, okay, Orange County is probably, Costa Mesa from LA, Hollywood area, is probably 20 odd miles. But what people don't understand is, in most places in the country, it's a mile a minute. So if you say, hey, I'm 30 miles away, it's gonna, in LA, it's two and a half minutes to a mile. And this is no lie. I mean, I've been on the road sometimes where you go, oh, I got, I got 11 miles to go, and it takes you 35 minutes. Coming from Orange County, where you were, to LA, you must have had dedication, because after like a month, I would be like, screw this, this is too much traffic. No, not me, because, you know, hey, I, there, I was just on this thing. I, I never had those feelings. This was fun, educational. I had to do it. That's all. That's all I was thinking. I was there was never any resistance to it whatsoever or fear. And if you have resistance or fear towards any of that, especially driving to to something that you love, then you you should not be doing it. You know, because I never had any of that. I think now at fifty three, because I live so far away in Big Bear, and if someone wanted me to audition, I go, "You put me on Skype, please." Right. <laughs> you know, because it, it's like a three hour drive. Uh, then I think I think my average time per day I was on the road three hours a day. Yeah. So so you start you, you go down there now. When do you get your first break? What was your first break like that started you moving towards the acting career away from the modeling? It was um, it was McDonald's of England, and I was Taff Hartley into it. And do, do you know what Taff Hartley is? Yeah, Taff Hartley. But people, if you don't know, Taff Hartley is if you say a line. You are union for you. You're a union eligible. You can join the union, right? You're eligible. So I was Taft Hartley then, and and I said something, and I didn't have to use an English accent. Okay, uh, I just had <laughs> regular. And um, and then the second job, I can't remember the second job, but I did get, I did pay in SAG on the second job. So you're getting out now. When do you start trend getting? And you start getting bit TV parts, or how does it end up where you start getting movie auditions? Because it's you know a lot of times people don't go from one commercial to getting TV movie. What was your process? Uh, just whatever came in, I auditioned for. So that was the process. And um, what happened from there is I did. I started booking, you know, commercials. You know, just for the young girl ingenue, an Atari commercial with a floating TV. I think it's on. You can find it on YouTube. That one. And then a big break for me I, is I got Maybelline and I auditioned for it and got not only the, the commercial, but I got the campaign, I got the ad campaign. So that was a huge break for me. And that really was my, that was my money. That was my money to, you know, 
food and you know rent. I didn't move out until I was 20 years old. I was a real late bloomer. Where, so, I, no, go ahead. Oh, I, yeah. So, um, so that yeah, and then more came after the Maybelline. Like I worked for them for five years, so I continued to do. I introduced their lot, their Shine Free. And I did all their lip gloss, kissing potions, <laughs> and then the Shine Free. And I think the last one I ended up doing was just for face and skin, I think. I think it was just skin. I remember wearing minimal makeup on it. Now, now the uh, people, yeah. oh, sorry, did people start to recognize you because you were on your, I mean, a Maybelline commercial, especially, you know, back when commercials always played, you know, not tons of different channels, you must have been getting recognized a lot. No. I lived in Orange County, you know, still. I was down at, uh, so no, I, uh-uh. I think it was after Valley Girl that I noticed I was being recognized when I would walk through Westwood Village, because that was the place you went when you were a young kid. You know, at night, Fridays and Saturday nights, you'd go to Westwood Village and walk around, and uh, that's when I noticed, like, some people would walk by me, and then I would hear something like, Valley Girl, you know, behind me, <laughs> as, I was, as I was already passed by them. <laughs> People were never, I mean, there's still chicken to come up to me, and I'm thinking, no, don't be chicken to come up to me. I'm pretty nice. I don't bite hard anyway. Right. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I always find that interesting that people are, are a little shy to come up to me because I'm kind and I've never, you know, been nasty to anyone. So it's just a thing. I, I, I've always had that. That's people a little scared. Now, now, when you uh, when you were doing the the Maybelline, was it harder for you to get auditions in, let's say, for TV or commercial? Because people had you thinking that you were just a model or just a commercial person. No, I was never pigeonholed. No, I never thought that way too, though. So I never thought, oh no, if I do this, then I won't be able to do that. That's never was in my. That was not on my radar. I was doing work, and it just every piece of work beget the next one. So I just was on. Just riding a wave, like I am right now. I feel it. I feel that same wave in my life right now that I had when I was uh, 20, 21. It's like an energy. You know what I mean? It's weird. It's yeah. like it's like one of those things where you sit there and you go, you know what? Things are good and some and, and they're getting better. And sometimes you just have like that certain kind of. You're right. It, it is like a wave. Yeah. Yep. So you get the audition for Valley Girl. Now was it how many? Was it? Did you get off the first audition? And did you ever think? That that movie would become so big because I'll tell you, for me, you know, when it came out, I was I was a freshman in college, I believe, and you know, we weren't real. We were in New Jersey. We really weren't familiar with L.A. or the Valley, so it was so cool to us. It was just such a different world. I think it still is for so many people. When you auditioned, did you get it on the first audition, or how long did that take? Uh, no, I didn't get it on the first audition. It was just another. Uh, well, no, no, this came through in a different way. So back in the day, you would go on Go See. And all it was, you went went in, brought your picture, you would sit down with the casting director, you would, you know, tell them who you are, where you're from, how, what, you're, what you've done, you know, just to go see, just to get, to, so they could get to know you, and if they think about something, they'll have you in, your, in, in their mind. This woman, Jennifer Shaw, uh, says to me, there's, there's a movie auditioning right now, and you need to go over there right now. So I got the audition through her. And I just remember it was so funny because she was a tall woman. I remember her uh, having her arm holding the door. She had held the door open for me, but she was actually holding the door jam too. And I went under her arm. She was so tall. <laughs> I just remember 
just ducking like only a little bit to get underneath her arm. And this is a weird things that you remember. So um, anyway, she sent me over there and Annette Benson and another woman, I can't remember her name, but they were casting Valley Girl, went over there. I already had a really good, you know, someone had recommended me. So I auditioned for them and then I think I auditioned, I had to stay on the lot and I had to audition for them, then I had to audition for the uh, director and producer and it all happened in one day. All of these auditions, there's like three different auditions in one day. I just had to go over to the commissary, wait, come back to the audition, go to the commissary, wait, go, you know, that's all. And, um, and it was a Friday. And I think my agent got spooked, spooked out. He thought they were going to go in a different direction. So he told them that I had been offered a film in France called French Women in Love. <laughs> I, this is, to, to this day, this story, I just love telling you because Russ, Russ Lister was my agent at the time. He came up with this. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know if they're doing stuff like that these days, but you know, yay for Russ uh, <laughs> Lister for being so freaking clever, you know, and, and loving what he does and having fun with what he does too. So. He said that to them, and on Monday it was offered to me. That's amazing. I mean, it's so funny. It's like it's it is true. It's like once somebody if they hear someone shows interest, then it's like a feeding frenzy, and uh-huh. it's just it's an amazing thing. I mean, so then you oh. find out you get it. Were you totally ecstatic because it was a feature? Yeah, I, I had done some movies. I had done some movies of the week. Nothing. I did not star in them. I had I had some nice roles in some movies of the week, and. Um, but I had my feel of sets. I understood what the life was on a set. Uh, but I was just again. I'm not. I wasn't questioning it. I was trying. I just wanted to do my best. This is. This was fun, remarkable in my life, and I wasn't gonna. Uh, I wasn't gonna take it for granted. I never took it. I never took any of my opportunities for granted. So yeah, and we just started the process. Two weeks of rehearsal. Martha had us going to nightclubs and. You know, just checking out the scene, going to some of the high schools. We went to Fairfax High, and we went to another high school out in the valley. Not Taft, not Taft, but the other one that starts with a W. Wood, I think it was Woodland Hills, but I'm not sure what the name of the school is, or unless it is Woodland Hills. So you started going just to actually like see what was going on, see the trends, see what the high school kids because because you weren't you were older than high school at the time, so it's like so you yeah. had to figure out what and because you know high school fashion changes all the time. You never know what, you never know what people are wearing. And, and my, I remember I'm from Texas, so everything I was doing was going to be a little bit not, not so correct because I'm Southern, you know, they, when we all, the girls got together, Martha wanted us to have, one of us to have a particular hairstyle, and I was the only one that raised my hand and agreed to do it. <laughs> and I'm glad I did, because I, I mean, if they wanted to shave me bald, I would have done it. It's like, yes, this is cool, this is creative, are you kidding me? This is fun. Um, so I did cut my hair for the film, and I lost ten pounds for the film. I was asked by the producer to lose ten pounds. Now, so, how did you how did you lose the ten pounds? I just lost it. I see. That's good. That's good. That's that, I, I would be like lose ten pounds. What are you crazy? I can't do that. Of course you do when you're in a movie. You, of course you want to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, hey, it was asked. I did it. You know, I I didn't have any. There was no question. Now I didn't even ask why. I just yeah, done. See, it's a discipline. It's, it's your, yeah. your, your towards the craft. Now, did you, when you, when the movie was filming, at, at any time, because, you know, movies come and go, did you ever, and as, as you know, 
in your, in your first big role, starring role, did you ever think that the the movie would hold up for this long? And I mean, it's a matter of like people still watch it. I see it on Facebook when it's on TV. People will, I, I do it with like if I see Valley Girl or I do a John Hughes movie. I, I'll do a check in. I'll go watching this, and the comments I get is amazing. Did you ever think? I mean, it's so weird that the movie has lasted for so long and then just resonated in a lot of people's lives. Um, I was just at an 80s weekend in downtown Los Angeles at the Microsoft uh, Theater, and I was there Friday night. I didn't go. I didn't go Saturday night, and I introduced Modern English on stage with uh, Richard Blade, and I think for the first time, um, <laughs> I think for the first time, I I I I understand. I, I, I understood because of the response when it came out, and then Richard said something else, and then there was a bigger response. And I'm sort of, I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm in a moment that I'm thinking, I'm this is never going to happen to me again, and how precious that moment was for me on stage. Um, I'm 53, and it's still uh, Valley Girl is still so alive in people's lives. You know, it's. Or, or, or more importantly, 80s is still alive in people's lives. And it's, a, it's like a party. It's like being a part of this huge party that we got to experience, you and I. I mean, we got to live it. Yeah, we lived so it. We, that's, that's the best thing. We actually lived it. We lived it. We got to have that fun in the 80s and, and laughed a whole lot. And, and there was a joy in the 80s that just is, is not around anymore. So when you go to these 80s weekends, uh, you get to experience that again. You get to be around your, your comrades that you were, that grew up you know, in the same era as you. And, and the music and, and just the feeling. You, I can remember where I was when I heard certain songs in the 80s. When it first came on the radio, you know what I mean? So it's just, it is mind-blowing, but at the same time extremely humbling to be, to be a part, to be a part of that. Oh my gosh, and who knew? Well, we were doing it. Who knew? I know. Oh, my I, I do that a lot. I went to an 80s concert at in Anaheim a few years ago, and it was. And you're right. It was funny. It was a concert. And it was. It had Berlin and Terry Nunn's been on my show, and there's other people that have, you know been on my show. And uh-huh. for me, it's just amazing. Like even for you being on my show, the people I saw on TV, you know, and I've gotten to talk to them about this stuff. But it's just, it was funny because everyone, the, the vibe was so cool at that concert because everybody dressed like it was the 80s. I still have a, 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 a what is it, shoulder padded blazer. You know, we all dressed that way. And you remember, it's true how fun it was. It was like, there was no pretension. Everyone just went out and they had fun. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, uh, Berlin was at that 80s thing on Saturday. I missed her, but I got to see a video and... Um, she, she put herself up on somebody's shoulders, and she was in the audience singing Take My Breath Away. And I just got freaking tingles. Oh, my God, I got tingles, you know. <laughs> so it, it's hard to explain it. You had to have lived it. But thank goodness us, we, you know, uh, I don't have kids, but people who grew up in the 80s who now have kids are getting to share this with all of us, too. They're, they're bringing their kids to these concerts, you know, and getting to show them, well, this is what we got to experience. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, back to Valley Girl, because I, I saw your pictures from uh, from the show on a Saturday, and then you looked so happy, and it was like when you're on stage, and it must be, it's like you know, it must be such a great feeling because 
people are showing an appreciation towards you. And that must have, you know, that's got to be a great feeling, like you said. Oh, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling. Now, what was it like working with Nick Cage back then? Because it was before, you know, his, the, he became this huge megastar. And, and I had seen him in a movie called Birdie, which I absolutely adored. And uh, what would, did you know that he would become like this giant, giant star? Did he have that leading man characters? Oh, we all had similar work ethics. So I didn't see a separation in in all of us when we were rehearsing and when we worked. Um, He took copious notes and so did I. I, I'm one of those people that, you know, I'll go, who am I, what am I, where am I, who's doing what to whom, when, where, why, and how. If I was a tree, what tree would I be? You know, I mean, the kind of things that... Uh, yes, may seem silly to other artists, but when I go that detailed in anything I do, okay, let's just say I'm making a piece of jewelry, or I'm painting on a canvas, or I'm painting on a piece of furniture, or I'm making a website. When you fill it in with the kind of de- that kind of detail, something happens beyond your control. It comes alive. I've been to a museum where I've stood in front of a painting, I literally felt that the painting was warm, like the skin was warm, had warmth to it, because it just looked so real to me. And that's because the artist made it so freaking detailed that um, you were able to give that gift to us. So when I work, I try to do that. Now, have I done it every single time? No. But in Valley Girl, I really put in the work. And I think the work that stands out, you can tell the work I put into it. Now, what was it like to, when you first saw the final product? Because you figure you're in the movie, you're doing your scenes, you don't know how everything's going to be pieced together because, you know, they shoot movies out of order. What was it like when you finally saw yourself on the big screen and where did you see it for the first time? Oh, because I was thinking, I, t- I was taking your question wrong because uh, I was thinking when you were asking that question, I was thinking about our first day of shooting on Valley Girl and I was... I had I had flu. I was really really sick. I got so sick. I had like a hundred and two temperature. Martha had hives all over. It was like it was like on our first day, everybody was a little bit. You could tell the stress had given me flu, and the stress had um, given her hives. Um, but to see yourself first time, I saw for the first time in a theater out in the valley, and I was horrified. I was horrified. <laughs> I left and I was shrinking in my seat the whole time because I I have a, I just feel I can always do things better and so when I saw it, I just was horrified. That was my first response, which is too bad because now looking on it, I I actually feel okay with, with all of it, but back then I was, you know, a perfectionist and you can do it better and now I need to get something where I can even even deeper, you know, So, so the movie becomes is popular. So now, how does that change your career, and what does that do to you? Because it's, are you were you humbled, or were you like, wow? I mean, were you just didn't know what was going to happen? Because it's a big thing at, at that age, still at a young age, to be in a in a popular movie. Where did you what What did you figure you wanted to do next? Hmm. I think that I didn't have my a five year plan. I did not have things like that in place. I did not. 
uh, I didn't have that kind of mentality and um, I wanted just to continue to work which you know you shouldn't have to you shouldn't I think there should be a plan in place and I think uh, agents and and their artists should talk and say well this is our this is a game plan well it may happen or may not but that's what we're striving to do that was never those kind of discussions were never had with me um, and you know maybe I was thought of as uh, as very superficial um, client maybe that's why I'm not really sure you know why those those con those kind of conversations went with me but they weren't and so I was just hoping to get work now Valley Girl offered me auditions so I could actually audition now for bigger things because of Valley Girl so name uh, name value things um, bigger directors and stuff like that so it afforded me to do that but it seemed like I still stayed in that same in that same uh, I still stayed in that same place, and I think it made me antsy because I didn't. I felt like there should be movement, there should be progression, uh, and and there wasn't. Now I, I can't tell you why those things were happening. I always showed up at the audition. I was always very early. I always knew my lines. I was always extremely courteous. So who knows? Who knows why you get picked to move on? By those that are picking, and who knows why you don't get picked to move on by those who are picking. And when I say those who are picking, I'm not saying fans. Right, of course. So, so now, now you're still, but you still were getting different movies. So that must have been you were still working. So that must be a great feeling because you're still you were still working a lot. Uh, no, because it looks like I was. I was only doing maybe one thing per year. I was only doing maybe one. Uh, I think there was only one time where I got two in the same year, and that was my chauffeur and April Fool's Day. Those were pretty close together in the shooting time, but far and few between were my jobs. And that's the life of an actor, too, by the way. So you have to sit on your money, you know, and make it last. Right. A lot of people don't understand that. You know, you sit there, and it's true. Like, they see, you think they see people all the time. It's like, well, no, sometimes a movie shot three years before it actually comes out and everyone just thinks like actors, a lot of people who aren't in the business think actors work like it's like every day. It's like a nine to five and it's like, no, it, it is. They go on hiatus. They go on different things and you're right. You have to really figure out what you're going to do and save your money. Right. And so when it kept, when it started fewer and fewer in between, I really had to go out and do other things. So I, uh, I got some programs for, for free from a third cousin in my family, and I started playing around with graphic programs and taught myself. I made myself a, a graphic. It's the, the size of it is like eight by five by five by five, so it's, it fits in a nice envelope, the whole, the whole packet. And I did about 15 different designs. And I would just send them out to all the graphic people. And I, this is what I heard when I was doing that. I, this is why I was pretty shocked. They said, but you didn't go to school for that. How do you think you're going to get a graphic design job? And then I would say to them, really? I moved here from Texas and I became an actor. <laughs> doing this is easy. <laughs> it is. It's so funny you say that because my older brother went to school for jewelry design and he was a jewelry designer and he just got tired of the business and he ended up learning years ago HTML code when people weren't doing it. And he would say, he, he would go into interviews and sometimes he'd have to fudge his way through the interview saying, you know, just completely BS, 
because he figured whatever they want me to do, I'll learn it. But it's just people don't understand that there's so many things you can learn on your own. You don't actually need to go to college for it. I know you don't, and, and that's I, that's what's sad too to our, for our kids. They need to know that our kids need to know that that you know if you have an interest in something, you're going to learn it really. You're going to learn it probably better than you would in school. Now, what got you interested in, in the graphic designs? Just saw, your cousin taught you a class, but what made you gravitate towards that? It was art. Remember, I drew. I, the first thing I ever did when I was creating when I was a kid, I drew. So now it was replaced by the computer. I could draw on the computer. Now, you're doing that, and now in your mind you say, I'm done with acting for a while, or what do you, I mean, it must be weird because... <laughs> You're going from something, but you're finding something else you love, so it's got to be fulfilling. Because if you, I mean, the funny thing is, people never understand. People go from job to job to job in their lives and careers. But it seems when it's ever an actor or a musician, people go, What the hell are you doing? It's like, it's exactly the same as a guy saying, I'm an accountant. Now I want to do marketing. It's the same thing. You yeah. just, you did your job, you, you were good at it, you got work, but at some point you probably said, I'm fed up with the crap. I mean, it's just weird how people think, oh, actors are always supposed to act when actors do get tired of it. Yeah, I think uh, the business end, obviously, you get tired of. I don't think, I've never gotten tired of the the art form of acting ever. I've never gotten tired of that. But there is a bigger, there's a bigger animal in the room <laughs> besides being a talented actress. You know, you, there's, business, there's the business end of, of acting and... You know, I'm I'm in it again, and I'm seeing going. Okay, that's why I didn't like it back then because I still don't like it now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that hasn't changed. Fuck. <laughs> so, show business is an interesting animal. I think you have to have a good sense of humor, a really good sense of humor, and you have to not be desperate. You have to have a life. You have to have a life that you live during the day that you're not watching your phone ring or waiting for the phone to ring. Back in the day, it was our answering machine, right? That we would sit by our answering oh, machine. It, don't, you, don't you think about that now? It's so funny when I think about, you're right. I always think about back then, it's like, I, I did stand-up comedy from like 88 to 95. And when I played in the Philadelphia area, I would say, hey, I'll meet you guys for a drink later. And they would say, okay, we'll be at this bar or this bar or this bar. And we didn't have cell phones, but we always found them. You know what I mean? It's just so weird. Like now it's like people can text and this and they go, oh, I never caught up with you guys the other night. And I'm like, how? You, you have a map. You can even Google exactly where to go to. I know. I know. You can't use those excuses anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you, and a thick skin. You can't be too sensitive or take things personal in, in Hollywood at all. It's not. It's not. It's not against you. It's not even about you in the end. So there's some things that you know that I'm actually now as a, at my age I can uh, I'm putting in, into play, and it's helping me because I'm immersed in it 100 percent with this 80s in the sand. Uh, because I'm also their social marketer uh, during the day. And um, I made their website, and uh, I'm also a celebrity guest at it. So, tell me a little more about the eighties in the sand. I want to hear how it all happened, and, and tell the listeners what it is. There's some amazing bands. I mean, geez, God, you're talking. That's like a that's like a Woodstock of eighties music on that on that ship. I mean, really, it's, tell tell them what the what it is and how it all came about because it's it's chock full of talent. 
Okay, so 80s in the sand uh, came to me, wow, not that many months ago. <laughs> it just feels like it was many months ago, but not that many. I think about four months ago. And um, the guy that's promoting it went on 80, the 80s cruise, and uh, everyone got sick, and I, including his wife. And so it was there that he sat down and started doing the numbers, okay? And he worked the numbers, and then he brought in some investors, and uh, he knew I was friends with a guy named Steve Spears, who is in charge of a stuck in the 80s. And so Stephen contacts me, and, and both of us are going, I'm going to Steve, who is this guy? And Steve's saying to me, well, I don't know, we should be careful. And I'm going, well, I, we didn't know who this man was, you know? So, to make a sh long story short, he's an awesome man, our promoter, and he contacted me. He goes, "Well, I heard you do websites. Why don't you make ours?" And I was a little, I was like, I was, I was over the moon about that. Okay, and more so than being asked to be a celebrity guest, because I wanted to make it a killer '80s website. So I made the website, and then while we were doing the website, getting reaching it towards the end, he had hired a social marketer and was not pleased, only because, you know, I know the '80s. And this person wasn't getting it. She was a really young girl just out of, out of school, very talented at what she did. But she, she's young. She doesn't understand the 80s. So I, took, I was brought on board, and I'm doing all the social marketing for it. Now, the bands, first, let's start with the hosts. The hosts we have are Richard Blade, Nina Blackwood, and downtown Julie Brown are our three hosts so far. There might be more in the future. Um, our actors are Anthony Michael Hall. Deborah Foreman, me, and Diane Franklin, and there are going to be more announced. We're waiting on, some people have their contracts and they're looking them over. Some people have not received their contracts yet. They're still in negotiation just talking with agents. And so I, I know the others that are going to be coming aboard. The lineup for the, for the music is going to change too because we're adding even more. But right now it, it, it is Loverboy, Starship featuring Mickey Thomas. Uh, Howard Jones, Winger, Jody Watley, Shalimar Reloaded. Jody Watley, Shalimar Reloaded. I gotta get that one right, so I want to make sure I say it. And uh, we have the Motels, we have the Smithereens, we have New Shoes, we have Stacy Q. <sighs> Did I forget anyone? But you know what? Do you know what's great about that lineup? Because you know, I see as you said, the '80s concerts were very big, and then they have the new school concerts or the different kinds. This is a little bit of something. For everybody, you can sit there and go, because that's the thing about 80s music, when you when you look back at it, it's like none of the genres were the same. Like you would listen to, I remember being in my college dorm, and some guy would have metal playing, some guy would have early hip hop playing, or rap, and someone would have, you know, you know, Flock of Seagulls, that as we call it, alternative. And that's the great thing about the 80s music is, it's like all these different genres, but they all fit together. And I have, there'll be exciting news. You just actually mentioned some people. I'm not even going to say with who, but some of those people might be joining us in the future. So, so. <laughs> you just, but Steve, you just had, you just hit on something really, really important. We have new wave, we have pop, we have rock, you know, we have it all. And it, it's not vanilla, as the as our promoter would say. It's not, I don't know if he wants me to use his name, so that's the only reason I'm not using it. That's fine. I'll talk to I'll talk to him about it after if I if I'm allowed to use his name or not. But um, he was a music major. Our promote our promoter was a music major, so he loves all music. 
Man, it is a huge 80s fan. Oh my goodness gracious. So this this whole thing is just a wonderful thing of love. I mean, he, he wants to do this because he loves it. And now that I've gotten on board and I love just the vibe of all of it, I'm in love with it too. And Richard Blade and downtown uh, Julie Brown and myself were together, and Stephen Wayne, he's part of this too. Uh, I just gel. I've never met these people in my life, and I just gel with them. Now, what what's going to take place at this? Is it? I mean, where is it at? And what what go what goes on? I mean, is it? Can you have some cocktail? I mean, is it? And what are the actors going to be doing? What what what? Tell me. I want to know more about it. Okay, so Aces in the Sand is going to take place in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. It's going to be at the Breathless Resort and Spa. It'll be November 11th through the 18th, 2017. And it's going to have five nights and four days of concerts. Now, in between all that happening, we'll have movies that will be inserted in there. I think Valley Girl is going to open up the whole, the whole thing. It'll be a Q&A, Valley Girl, and then we're going to go off to a big party. We're all going to be together. It's all inclusive. When you pay to go, it will include everything. You won't, it, it'll be that one fee just to, you know, for you and all your food and all your drinks. Okay? The fee is does not include airfare. So the fee, and it's uh, right now, if you book, if you get 12 months, uh, you can get 12 months to pay if you book right now. And there's going to be another one offered. Let's see. What's the... Let me look at my computer for a second. In September, September 1, we'll be offering another a new deal. Each month, there's going to be a new deal. And the excursions, too. We're going to be, a, 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 a small crew of us is going in November this year to suss out security. I'm, I'm social marketer, so I need to take pictures. We're going to be, uh, Richard Blade and I are going to be doing a little video to promote 80s in the sand and just looking at the layout and stuff like that. So that'll happen in November this year. That must be so exciting for you just because also, you know, and I went to the website. The website's got some good colors, you know, it's, it's, and you did do it <laughs> 80s. And that's the thing when you think 80s, you think of, I mean, I had a yellow blazer and a red blazer in the 80s. So, you know, you're thinking of the colors and that's what's good about it. Now, what's the website's uh, address? Website's address is www.80sinthesand.com. Dot com. See, so that's gonna be cool. That's good though. So, so you're 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 making you're you're reliving you know the '80s, which we need to do. Now, I want to know. Now, I also want to know about your jewelry because okay. you uh, I've seen your posts on Facebook. You started a jewelry, and when did you get into jewelry design? I mean, I know you've always been creative, but when did you get into jewelry design? And and do you do you personally make the own products, or do you just come up with designs? How did that whole venture start? Okay, so in 2012. Um, at a down point, it, it was at the end of summer 2012, and I was having a down a down point. When I say down, I, I my energy is low. I never there's no such thing as sort of a depression in my life. I, the energy is low, the energy is high, and that's all it is. So it was low, and you know, hurting monetarily, I was hurting, and I started reading some stuff on the internet about stones and jewelry. If you wore jade, you can get some money. And then, you know, you know what? It can't hurt, right? It can't right. Hurt. So I have this necklace that my mom had given to me. It was a jade necklace. It was a three-tier, beautiful, but not my thing. Beautiful necklace, yes, on someone else, but not me. So I broke it apart. I made a bracelet. I used all the findings that were in that, that necklace to make the bracelet, and I posted it on 
Facebook and I said, look what I just made. Someone bought it a week later for $225. So I thought, okay, I think I have something going on here and it's not, I, I can do it. I can, I, I know how to take the photographs. I know how to make the website. I can, I can really put this together. So, uh, so, start, so I started that in 2012 and I, I'm kind of, this year in 2016, it's petered off a little bit because I've been so busy. It's hard for me to sit and design and, and do the promotion I need for each piece and, and me be the model. It's just, it's, it's too much because I'm, I'm, I'm working in these other areas. So as soon as things slow down, uh, social marketing, which it may not because I think I just booked another social marketing job. <laughs> Who knew I was going to be a social, mar social marketer, but I am. <laughs> um, but I love it. And stones do have a great impact in my life. Right now I'm wearing rose uh, quartz, and I love rose quartz. Rose quartz is, is, a, is a stone of love. So that's how it started. Now, how do you how do you decide what stone you're going to use? Because as you said, there are so many stones. I remember back in the day when amethyst was big. Those remember those bracelets were like the most popular thing in like 1990. They like the, it was is amethyst is that like the different stones? Amethyst is a lovely stone. How I choose it uh, because of my yoga background, I I believe in our chakras and all that is is uh, energy fields in our in our body. And aqua, not aqua. Um, Amethyst is for the crown chakra, which is at the top of the head, which is a very empowering place. It's sort of that magical stone, that all-encompassing stone is what it is. Um, other stones I'll pick, like around the neck, you should be wearing blue stones, like iolite, blue lapis, aquamarine, some turquoises that are more blue. Uh, and then uh, around your heart chakra, you should be wearing green stones, like... Um, uh, let's see, green adventuring, and even rose quartz is considered a heart chakra stone to wear around your heart. And earrings, like it should, you should have uh, more like labradorite and uh, moonstone. So yeah, I pick it based on uh, certain chakras, but also certain chakras, like your throat chakra is for communication. So if you wear more blue blue stones, like if you're a singer or you're a speaker. You should wear more blue stones so you can have better communication skills. Now, have you ever thought of uh, doing some of them in an 80s type vein, like some kind of like that is reminiscent of the 80s? Because with your name and with, with your talent, you could probably sell a lot of them. I haven't been asked yet, and, I, and it's something that can be thought about for the future. Uh, especially this 80s in the sand, which is now going to become a, a, a staple, a yearly staple. So that would be nice to, to add in the future. And I would make it, I would uh, actually make it more reasonable. Because I, I use the real stones, so it's, you know, it, can, it can be quite expensive. But if I use stones just based on color and not use real silver or gold, it can be, I can make them really cheap. So it'll, it'll just depend. Well, see, you never know, Mister Cooper. What the heck? <laughs> you know, you know what we have to do. We have to start a campaign to get you on the Shark Tank. We gotta, we gotta get Deborah Foreman on the Shark Tank, and then boom! <laughs> next thing you know, it's blowing up, and you're going, "Wait a second, this is too much. I, I, I gotta do the social media stuff." Yeah, but what would I? Why would I go on Shark Tank for what? For your, for your jewelry. Yeah, but they're gonna say because I've already seen it. I've, I've watched that show a lot. They're gonna say. 
why are you so different than the other markets out there? And the only reason, the only thing I can come up and say is, well, because I'm making it. <laughs> right. Now, you, you watch it a lot. Are you, are you getting tired of it? I always think now it's become very formulative. I, I, I watch it, me and Joanne watch it, and we've watched it a we used to watch it on Fridays when it's on. But for me, Shark Tank now, it's like you always know Mr. Wonderful is going to be mean. I mean, it, for me, it's sort of becoming formulaic, which is sad because you almost can guess who they're going to give money to. Yeah, but don't, I think that that, but that makes sense to me now. That does make sense because you should be able to see that right off the bat, even yourself and myself. You should be able to see that because it's just an energy, like you said. It's just something they're feeling in the room. And also, maybe they've seen it before. It's a formula, but don't you see? That's that's kind of our life. That's the way, that's the pattern of us. That's the pattern of human existence, kind of. Yeah, but I just I just get, it's after a while, though, it's, it's like I, Mr. Wonderful is like a cartoon character to me almost. It's like, he's like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a microcosm to the macrocosm out there. Exactly. So now, how did when did you start getting into uh, yoga and Pilates? Because you, I mean, your 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 website, which people is uh, DebraForman.net. Did someone have the dot com? Yes. I, that happened to me. Someone had some weird park in like Wisconsin had CooperTalk.com. This was when I first started out, like four and a half, five years ago, and I didn't pay attention to it because the website was down. So then when I went back, Cooper Talk. I bought coopertalk.net and then they wanted $5,000 for coopertalk.com and I was like, that's just mean. Yeah, they wanted to sell me mine too. It is mean and you're right. You're right. So DebraForman.net and it says you're a renaissance woman. Now, explain why you're a renaissance woman. Because I do more than one thing well. Okay. If you look it up in the dictionary, it says that you, you can do more than one thing, but you do that you do uh, you do them well. It's not like you can you know some people can only go out and they they just do they're a plumber and that's all they do and that's all they know how to do and they have no interest in learning anything else uh, and and good for them because I often, I sometimes need a plumber. Oh, <laughs> oh believe me, yeah, our, our plumber come when our kitchen. If we get something, I call the landlord. Plumbers come up. You're like, oh my god, thank God, because I would have no idea what to do. Right. So, but when you're someone, so then I I went out and I got certified as a yoga instructor by Yoga Works. I got certified as a Stott instructor by uh, Stott Pilates, um, and I learned web design on my own. I, I just had an interest. I just went to Wix. Dot com and I started loving what they were offering to people like me who's never had any schooling and yet I have a creative side that can take it even further you know what, what they have there and then I made two or three websites and I sent it uh, to the Wix Pro area and I became one of their Wix Pros based on my my work so you know it's amazing I, but I have those interests I still have more I'm still going to be learning a lot more before I leave this earth. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> now, 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 how'd you end up in Big Bear? Were you just tired of LA, and, and or you just wanted a piece, or you wanted, you know, I mean, because it's it's you know, you hear, I don't know people who live in Big Bear. I hear people go up there to perform and stuff like that. I've never been there, and I heard it's beautiful. But how did you end up in Big Bear? Uh, when I was in my early twenties, uh, when I was making money. I was the one that was able to take us to Big Bear every Christmas, and we did that for five years, 
in a row, and um, we always got a cabin and stayed up here. It was either we'd, either, we'd either choose Thanksgiving or Christmas. It was one or the other, and we just, my family just fell in love. So 10 years ago, my mom bought a house up here, and it was just a vacation house. And, um, and then five years ago, I moved up here permanently. I'm, 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 I'm 20 minutes away, believe it or not, 20 minutes away from my mom, who's on the other side of the lake. But my mom's up here, my brother's up here, my uncle's up here, my niece is up here, and I'm up here. So it's a big oh. family affair up there. Yeah, we decided we love it. We don't want to be anywhere else. We absolutely love Big Bear. When you come, I have to tell, I don't, you know, I tell my friends, now they're starting to come here more and more because they understand that even if you spend one day up here, you feel this sort of release, this sort of stuff that just falls off your body that you had no idea was, uh, you know, causing you trouble back in Los Angeles. You know, the stress, the grief, the anger you get when you're in traffic. You had no idea that that's just living in your body. So you come up here and it just, falls off and then and then you're tired at first you want to take a nap and then as soon as you get past your nap naps uh, you realize it's just good for your DNA it's good for your hardware system in your body it's just and it works you don't have to do anything nature takes its course it just I don't know it just makes you yummy and healthy and happy see that well that's that's you know you should be doing social media for the city of Big Bear I do okay but they don't know <laughs> I was say you just did when you're saying it uh, makes you yummy and happy. How can you not go somewhere that makes you feel yummy and happy? Well, see, that's what I mean. When my mom bought a house up here ten years ago, every weekend, I kid you not, I was up here from Friday night till Sunday night. That's here. I, I was here, so it was a no-brainer when when the opportunity came for me to be able to get a place up here five years ago. I, I and I have fought. I've never in my life because I'm a gypsy. I. I've lived everywhere. I've lived in all kinds of places. I went to 11, 12 different schools when I was growing up because my dad was in the military. So I'm a gypsy at heart. I'm a tumbleweed. I, I, I'm here, and I've been fighting to stay here, and I, I keep winning. So that's, that's, a new, that's a new thing for me. So that's good. We have a few minutes left. Uh, now, you said you're acting again? You're, you're trying to get back into acting again? Oh, if it happens, that's fine. If, you know, people make phone calls, want me to come in audition, absolutely. Am I seeking it? Am I, you know, getting new photographs, having an agent put me up up for things? No. But if my name comes across the table, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What kind of roles would you want to do? Giving women roles. Okay, well, see, that's good. That's good. You're, you know, and you're a Renaissance woman, so you can do most things. Now, is there any other '80s events you're going to be at? And how did you end up at the '80s event last weekend? I ended up there because Richard Blade invited me. So I was, I got to come there because he, he invited me. He wanted me to, and he invited. It was so cool because I, I was asked, and then he asked this other guy, Michael Rosenbaum, to introduce one of the bands because he's an '80s fan. There was there were several several of us that were asked. So kind. I love Richard Blade. He is such a kind man. Uh, next eighties, I'm not sure. I think it's gonna be January. There's another eighties one planned in January. I think it's January twenty eighth. It's gonna be at the Microsoft Theater. And eighties in the sand. I already said that was it's November next year, two thousand seventeen. So it, that's still a ways away. Um, I think the next one though will probably be January. Now, do you ever do any of those conventions? Uh, I'm exclusive to 80s in the sand. 
Okay, because I was going to say there'd be people be like, hey, because as I said, it's the eighties and and it's it's the great thing. So, yeah. so now now what what do you see in your next in the next year in your life? What do you foresee? Anything specific or just you're just happy and you're on a wave? Uh. Continuing on with social marketing with this and my other marketing job will be for a fashion designer. So it'll be completely different. Be, and that's, I can't wait for that to happen. And then uh, continuing making websites. And I feel, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the future. But I do think this face of mine will be on the big screen again. I do. I feel it. I know it. I just don't know. What job? Who I'll, who I'll be working with? But it will happen before I go to Punta Cana next year. See, that's awesome, and I, I think it will, and I hope it does because you know it's uh, you know it's always good to see familiar faces. And as I said, the the '80s do resonate among us, and people, and I do feel bad sometimes for younger kids because they didn't get to live during that time. And it was it was as I always say, it was there was there was no political correctness, but we no. didn't need it because we all had manners. Oh my gosh, Mr. Cooper, you just said, I, you know what, that's my biggest gripe about the young kids today, they're just so negative and mean and ornery, and it's like, where is this coming from? You know, is it because the internet has taken uh, social FaceTime in the kids, they don't even have FaceTime with each other anymore. We did, we, we met each other at the comedy store and at Barney's Beanery, and we got, we got FaceTime with each other all the time. So uh, yeah, I agree with what you just said. See that? Well, you know what? Uh, you gotta give all your information, your social media to my listeners. You gotta give your website, the, 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 uh, the, the event coming up, your Twitter, all that stuff. Okay, so <laughs> let's start with my website. My website is www.debraforman.net. And all things Deborah, you will find there. Also, my events. I have another event coming up in October because a 30 year reunion of April Fool's Day is this year. And so we're celebrating October, in October 20th in New York. Uh, four or five, I'm not sure how many of us are getting together, but I think all the girls so far have agreed to go. And then um, Twitter, my Twitter is Deborah Foreman. That's it, Deborah Foreman. And at Facebook, it's Deborah L. Foreman. And at Instagram, it's Deborah L. Foreman. And 80s in the Sand, www.80sinthesand.com is the biggest epic 80s event since the 80s. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, so people, Chuck, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, it was great to talk to you. I'm glad we got to do this. And um, that's why now I Skype so I can get guests anywhere. So that's a good thing. Steve, that's the best interview I've ever had. Thank you. I appreciate it. So people, check her out. Hold on. I want to talk before I get, we get off the line, but i got to wrap up soon. Uh, check her out. Also, people, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. There's uh, 545 episodes up there. You can also email me, cooper, at coopertalk.net. I'll get back to you. Tell me who you want me to have on the show. Um, Words with Friends and Instagram is coopertalk1. I'll play if you you. you Contact me. You may beat me. I may beat you, but it's all fun. And I post a lot of stuff from um, on Instagram for guests and food stuff because, as you know, a few years ago, I had a heart problem, and I wrote my cookbook. So go to my other website. It's StopTheSalt.com. That's StopTheSalt.com. It's a cookbook. It's 120 low-sodium recipes. No pictures to intimidate you. 
no long list of ingredients. If you don't have cumin, don't worry. There's no ingredients with cumin. So go there. You can get it at Amazon.com. You can get it at BarnesandNoble.com. But if you get it from StopTheSalt.com, I make more money and I will sign it for you. So please go to DebraForman.net. Go to CooperTalk.net. Follow Deborah on Twitter. Follow me at CooperTalk on Twitter. And that's about it. We have a great show next week. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week.